What up, what up, what up? Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time you listen to this podcast. It's me, the DRE Chef de Cuisine, coming at you with the recipe menu Monday on Intentional Talk Radio Network. Be sure to listen to all the great podcasts of this station, including mine, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also listen live right now at itrnradio.com for the multiple podcasts, multiple events that we have going on. No matter what time you're listening to it, wherever you are in the world, from here to Dubai, all right? So definitely excited to to, to, to be here today. I want to thank you for, for tuning in and having an opportunity just to hear a little bit of what the chef has to say on today because you know my moniker, Health and Wealth is the Future of My People. And who are my people? You listening to this sound of my voice right now. And the best way to become a change agent is to change within you first because authenticity of being you is the most important thing that you have in life next to that great commodity of time. So we also have a text message number. So I have a special guest in the studio today. And if you have any questions, comments um, that you would like to say about the show, send us a message. 682-710-1101. That's 682-710-1101. And that's the ITRN text message number. We will get your questions on air. We will get your questions answered on air. And we are... We are live. So first off, I want to say to everybody, congratulations on making another, you know, uh, through another winter solstice and coming to a an, an incredible start of the new year, of the current calendar that we're following. You know, if anybody does any research, you know, the old calendar started in March as a new year, but uh, it is widely recognized now um, as the month of January, the winter solstice, as opposed to the spring solstice, that uh, we celebrate the, the new year. So this is the first show. This is also show 70, clap, 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 70 shows um, in July. It'll be two years running with ITRN Radio Network. And I'm just excited and fabulous to be here when I say I've been blessed and graced with the the awesome team that runs it behind the scenes, the awesome crew, my my, my co-host um, who helped me with this show. Um, I, I just have nothing more to say, but then great thanks and kudos to you as we go into this next fabulous, fabulous, you know, 2023 and, and, you know, the grace that has been shown, the growth that has been shown, the opportunities that have been afforded to me, you know, from this great network, man, it's incredible. I mean, you know, we're in 50 countries. Um, I mean, I know we've had at least 500,000 downloads in in the course of, of our career at uh, ITRN and radio. And I'm just flat out excited to be here. So happy new year. This is the first show of the new year. And man, I'm just excited to be here. And I got an incredible guest, but we're going to get to that in a minute. So I know many people out there are big on uh, resolutions, right? Oh, 70 countries, local and coast to coast. I'm sorry. I said 50. I don't want to, I don't want to downplay, you know, I got a quick message in the chat. Say, hey, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's 70 countries, my friend, 70 countries. So we are all over the world listening. I know I have uh, about five listeners in India myself. 
So, you know, anybody listening from India, you know, I'm looking to come to Dubai soon. I've already heard about that 200 foot deep swimming pool that they have. So Coach Reggie, I'm just going to tell you to look that up. Cause when I saw the video on it on YouTube, I was like, that cannot be, it looks like a sunken treasure uh, a chest or something that you would, that you would see like in a movie when they're going treasure hunting and it's a swimming pool, 200 feet deep. And it was funny because, uh, it was Will Smith. He had a little short on YouTube talking about it. I was like, man, ain't no 200 foot swimming pool. It's probably just a, you know, sunken area in the ocean. I mean, they've got this thing laid out. So to my, to my, to my listeners in India, shout out to you. I'll be in Dubai soon because, uh, I'm going to, swim as far deep into that 200 feet without passing out that I possibly can when I get there, you know? So, um, but what I want to do is I want to give a shout out to, uh, DeMar Hamlin and his family. Uh, if you haven't heard about DeMar Hamlin, um, he, he was the first, uh, ever recorded in the NFL to have cardiac arrest on the field during a football game. Um, this is the first time that they've stopped a football game and canceled the entire football game for this particular incident. And um, I give kudos to the NFL for doing that, because most of the time when you have major injuries on field, guys get carted off. You know, they're put on, uh, you know, gurneys. And, you know, my my guest is coming up. He's he's in the sports arena. So and he's played professional sports. You know, you take that moment of silence, you take that knee. But. It's a business, right? And you get back to business as usual once they cart off your injured player, your injured brother, and you try to continue the game. And in this particular instance, it happened early, and it was a fluke. I was reading something on YouTube about uh, – uh, Mary had shared it with me about he just got hit at the right time when his his the blood was rushing to a certain part of his body that caused that cardiac arrest. And they said it's, it, it's a fluke. It's like one in like 25 – the trillion chances that this would happen to somebody. And 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 then young man, you know, was carted off. He was unconscious. Shout out to the EMTs that, that that really hopped on it. Shout out to the people in the hospital where he was that really took care of him. And, you know, he's breathing on his own. And, and I just want to recognize that as in when we think about health and wealth and in and, and the topics of this show, that, you know, it goes beyond. He was healthy. He, he was in... In, in, in great health, there was no indication there was anything else wrong with him, and this was some kind of a fluke. He didn't have any heart problems or any cardiovascular issues. It just was divine timing, if you will, because, you know, all things work for the common good. And it made people more aware that it's more than just, you know, the game. These These players have lives and families, and the outpour that came from it. You know, I think he ended up getting like half a million dollars donated to his foundation, not donated to him for his health uh, uh, work or for his medical expenses, because, you know, he's 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 I mean, he's relatively well paid in the NFL, you know, but it was for his nonprofit organization. And so even though that tragedy happened, right, he was able to recover breathing on his own. You know, I don't know what the doctor's going to say about him ever playing again, but you know, he, he is expected to make a, 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 a full recovery from this. But so many people with their outcry of prayers, outcry of, 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 of love for the family and, and, and security. And then 
giving up of their money. And we know in the society that we live in now, anytime somebody give up their money, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's hard for a lot of people to be givers. Right. And just to see that foundation blow up in, in, in a tragedy, it's like, wow, that had to happen for this to happen. But wow, that had to happen for that to happen. Right. And the young man is expected to have a full recovery. NFL canceled the entire game. Um, shout out to all the fantasy leagues that probably either won or lost because of that one game, you know, uh, of them with the NFL canceling it. And, but true shout out to, to Hamlin, you know, uh, who, who is showing lots of improvement. Um, you know, he's talking and I think they even said one joke that uh he woke up and the first thing he asked did we win the game right and and i'm like what a true athlete because we all think the same thing we're laying in the hospital bed broken up battered and beaten and we want to know if we won right you know yeah i fought for my life i'm awake now did we win that's what i want to know did we keep playing he probably was more devastated when they told him they canceled the game because of him he probably sat up and said why but you know, that's just the athlete in us. I got a chance to play semi-pro ball. My next guy is coming up, you know, professional athlete himself. So we know how it is, man. It's like the game is number one. You know, you love your family, you love your kids, your mom and everything else. But when it comes to the game, it's it's first until you realize at the end of the career, you know what, maybe I should have prioritized a few other things. But, you know, you have fun doing it, you enjoy doing it, and you be able to build on it. So. With that being said, I'd like to bring up my guest. He is a, um, you know, a, a, a new friend of mine and, and, and a comrade in the Extreme Execution Coaching Camp with uh, Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher, <laughs> where we have an opportunity to exchange ideas as coaches. Um, we have the freedom to expand and create all of our own coaching platforms and then use, uh, you know, some of EE's uh, fame, if you will, and notoriety to be able to build our own platforms, be our own coaches, and and hopefully uh, strive to make it to, you know, that same level as, you know, being one of the top motivational speakers or coaches, you know, in the industry. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest, Reggie Butler. Now, Reggie is, is, is similar to me when it comes to being a mindset coach. He's also a leadership coach. His background includes transitioning from being a 10-year professional athlete. You got to tell me more about that in which he was uh, voted captain of those teams to being one of the youngest African-Americans to hold prestigious director of sales and business development positions, various companies. This position being held at all top three global hotel chains, Marriott Hilton and IHG Resorts. Now, everybody knows that I'm a chef and, and hospitality industry is my love. So me and Reggie going to probably deviate from the sports conversation and talk more about conventions and hotels and, you know, uh, things like that, especially Marriott and Hilton, because everybody knows, you know, I worked at Disney Grand Floridian. So when it comes to hotel food and design, we'll have some good conversations. But in addition to that, he works with uh, professional head coaches, athletes, corporate groups, and have helped thousands and thousands with their leadership abilities. Uh, this assistance has resulted in numerous championships, including increased morale and retention uh, during these event-changing times. Now, Reggie is also an author. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, his publications <clears throat> towards the end of the uh, podcast. And this is probably my highlight because I've seen him a few times and didn't know it was him until he said something in the group, right? 
because uh, everybody knows University of Louisville, because I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and a University of Kentucky fan, and um, I think he was commentating one of the Kentucky games, and I didn't realize it was him. And uh, But he's an ESPN college and pro basketball color analysis and analyst, uh, husband, father of two, and then he's got a great joke that he told me. He said he's great at changing light bulbs because he stands at 6'9", right? So uh, I, I, I would think he would be great at uh, <laughs> changing light bulbs. He probably can install your ceiling fan. You know how when you want to paint your ceiling, you know, you got to get that roll and put a whole mat over you. So he just takes the brush. You know, he just takes the brush and go across the top. He puts the tape around the vents for you. You know, that kind of thing. So without further ado, I'm excited to have from Full, Full Court Vision LLC, my man, my guy, Reggie Butler. What's going on, Reggie? What's going on, man? It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Excellent. It is a pleasure to have you, my good friend, my good friend. So, of course, like we always start off with every show, you got to tell my listeners a little bit about you and your background. And uh, this 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 time is for you. So this is a great time to I don't like to use the word brag, but it's a great time to express to the listening audience your many accolades and achievements, a.k.a. brag on yourself. Reggie. I'm going I'm, to I'm let you take it away. Give us some of your background, some of your accomplishments um, that you've done in your arena. Absolutely. I'm glad you just mentioned the accomplishments because I do have a problem bragging per se. But, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> um, you know, Reggie Butler, man, I am a, uh, I am a former professional athlete, uh, went to college at Xavier University up in the Cincinnati area. And um, play. What? You was in Ohio Valley too? You know, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. We didn't like the Bearcats. <laughs> oh well, I'm we didn't like the, we didn't like the Bearcats either because we exactly. uh <laughs> yeah so that was uh that was our rival so um, uh fortunate enough to play there then uh, move on to play ten years professionally uh, around the country in Spain Turkey uh, you mentioned Dubai I played in Dubai for a year um, I'm mad <laughs> show's over show's over we're canceling everything Kiana just just go ahead and just end end it now we're done. He got to go to Dubai and I haven't. I'm envious, jealous, whatever you want to call it. That's all right. I'm going though. I'm going. I'm you, going. You, you absolutely will. Our our talents will do take us wonderful places, but uh, and and various countries. Then I also spent some time uh, here in the states in the NBA, um, signing a contract with the Atlanta Hawks for a short while. So man, I've been I was blessed to uh, you know be a true pro at this um, before transitioning out uh, after ten years. And so, yeah, absolutely. So then the, um, then the Lord took me into the corporate world. I went immediately into the corporate space. Um, I actually, towards the end of my career playing overseas, I actually kind of walked away from the game to pursue a, um, a great opportunity to walk right in at the director level, director of business development level in the corporate world and, uh, with Hilton. So um, I started with Hilton and over the past 10, uh, well, 12 years now. Um, I've been with Hilton, IHG and Marriott, man. And it's been, it's been just a, a blessing. I, I'm currently with Marriott now. And, um, so while doing all the sports things I do, I, I still during the day, I still, uh, I still bring in that revenue <laughs> for those. Uh, That's right. Yeah. I, I still bring in the revenue and, um, put a lot of heads in beds and make sure a lot of corporations and, and, um, leisure groups, you know, have a nice hotel to stay at. So. It's just been a blessing. Outstanding. 
Outstanding. So how did you how was your how was your transition from being a professional athlete to going into hotel management? Right? I mean, did you go to college for hotel restaurant management? Because that's where I went. I went to school for hotel restaurant management and then went to culinary school and became a chef, right? That it doesn't seem like an equal transition. It's like, hey, I'm playing basketball. Now I'm director for Hilton, right? I've read Conrad Hilton's book. Like that's a big transition and change. So tell me, how how did that change come about? Like, how did you go from playing overseas, professional ball, number 55 for the Hawks, to becoming, you know, a, a director at Hilton? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I did not um, study hospitality management. Organizational communications was my major. So uh-huh. as a 18 to 22-year-old, I'm thinking, I'm just going to take a major that where I didn't have to do a lot of math. So, you know, that was my thought process here, where I, where I could stay away from the math and all the uh, physics and, and, and all the accounting and things like that. But turns out that um, it was a blessing. And, and to do a great job in the hotel industry, you have to be able to communicate and be organized. Mm-hmm. So um, my basketball background, I was a leader. So without being the best person on the, the best player on the team, I was far from the best player on the team um, as I played with probably about nine other NBA players over the course of my college career. Um, high school, I had an awesome high school team, guys who went to Duke, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, a, a bunch of schools and um, were also professionals. I was far from the best player there as well, but um, somehow I still ended up as a captain. Uh, so my peers <laughs> and teammates believed in the leadership I provided, believed in the way I showed up every day and So the transition into that director level in the hotel world turned out to be easy. Plus, the only job I had had up until that point in my life was when I was 16, I sold shoes at Foot Action. What? Foot Action? Shout out to Foot Action. Shout out to Foot Action. So, so yeah, and, and when I say I did well, I did well, I mean, we're talking about part-time. I mean, I was a high school basketball player. This was my junior year of high school. We're talking, I was only working on the weekends, eight to maybe one night a week. I would come in after practice. If it was during season, if it wasn't during season, I might do a four to nine shift when the mall closed mm-hmm. on the weekends. I would come in at eight. Originally I would just do the eight to three, but as I started doing well, my um my boss's name was Bobby. I'll never forget him. First guy to ever hire me. It's like say yes and hire me. Um, I was just doing eight to eight. Like the entire time the mall was open on the weekends because I was doing so well. My name tag said Shaq, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was crazy as I look back on it. I was just a magnet in that in that realm in that world. Somebody's coming in to buy athletic shoes. You got me there. As a you know, as a sixteen year old could talk to talk and walk to walk, had shoes, like shoes. And um so sales was always kind of something that was um given to me as long as you're I'm selling something I'm interested in. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's definitely a key when you're dealing with sales. Absolutely. So so foot action in high school. Wow, foot action. Yeah. That's wild. So 
We'll talk a little bit more about uh, uh, about the NBA. So you said you necessarily wasn't the you know the best player, but you were definitely better than fifty thousand other people because you made it to the top to the top. So don't discredit yourself in that. You know, uh, you might not have been that best player on the team, but you were still better than fifty thousand other guys that tried to get there. Because we know what is the roster on the NBA basketball team? What is it? Fifteen, right? Yeah, fifteen. Well, now it's a few you know, more. The, but it yeah. was 15. Yeah, not including the D-League and, you know, the people that are injured reserve, stuff like that. But I'm talking, I mean, 15 people, you know, there's not a lot of teams. It, it's it's barely 150 guys total when you add up all the teams in the, in, the, in the NBA. And you made it there. You know, whether you were the 12th man, you, whether you sat on the bench, you were good enough to be in the top dance. And so speaking of that, who uh, – uh, who was your toughest person to guard? Who did you not like to see when you were in NFL? I mean, when you were in the NBA? Well, I mean, we're talking a, a, a small amount of time I was in the NBA, but like even my teammates, you know, daily my teammates uh, with the Atlanta Hawks, Antoine Walker, Al Harrington, guys like that. I mean, they were tough daily. Like practice was no joke. You know, oh, so you played in like the 2000s, huh? Yeah, two, uh, absolutely. 2004 was my season there. The rest, like as mentioned, the rest of my years were overseas, but 2004 um, was my short time there with Atlanta. And, you know, my teammates were, were great. Like that preseason we played, I mean, we played Miami Shaq's first year with Miami. We played or, um, Orlando with Steve Francis and Catino Mobley. We played Minnesota, Ooh. Kevin Garnett, Sam Cassell, and... Um, Stop it, Lord, back. Members right. of 2000. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you 6'9", so you had to guard most of them. With yeah, those, the, like, those, are, those are my assignments. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was like for short times, but those were my assignments. And I mean, it was just a while too. But most of those guys I was able to play against, fortunately, in summer situations. Um, uh-huh. But but it was still the real deal. I mean, to do it out there in you know, with under on a real NBA arena was a whole different level. I mean, it was it was just just um and, and with with me having an NBA jersey on per se, it was just a blessing, man. Just a dream hey, come true. Man. man, that's awesome. Fifty five. Y'all go look him up. You can Google him. He's got stat lines. All right. So um so we'll we'll, we'll transition from that to to the hotels to coaching now. What sparked your interest in going to coaching? Because, you know, you played professional ball. You go into being a director for hospitality, you know, uh, for, you know, multiple years and multiple chains. What sparked your interest going into the coaching industry? Well, I I have been coaching all my – I have been coaching since I was about 16. I just didn't know it. Um, when I look back at my college teammates, um, those who were playing a lot more than me, they would always come up and say, Reg, stay in my ear. Come on, I need you. Stay in my ear. Um, as a professional, um, where, you know, where on the outside of the NBA situation I had, um, overseas, I was one of the top two players on the team or whatnot. And the young guys would always gravitate towards me. Um, hey, Reg, come on. What do you think? Uh, uh, stay in my ear. Like, let me know what you see. And so I was always come to find out a de facto coach and always uh, where people respected my opinion, my input to things. So 
I had always been doing it upon and then upon retiring, I um got a call from a gentleman who was heavily invested in and I, well not invested like monetarily but was heavily infused in the youth the youth basketball world and he said, "Hey, I got a big guy. You want to work with him? Like show him what you know. He looks like you're done wrapped up." And uh kind of his thing where after work or on the weekends I start working with this one big guy. His name was Kalik Spicer. He was like 15 at the time. And um, mm-hmm. started working with him, and he just started getting so much better. Before you know it, I started doing big man camps, basketball camps, like specifically for big men who were like me, where I could, mm-hmm. you know, we could talk our own avatar language. Our, you know, we had our own. Yeah, that's not avatar. Language. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and you know, at those camps, man, those kids who, okay, some were big and aggressive, and and were already nice, but some were just big and still tripping over lines, you know, and, um, and, and we, and as I saw them just getting better and getting better, yes, it was some of the physical stuff we were doing, but it was also just the, the words that we were putting out and things. And so, man, uh, and you got to remember during the day, I was still corporate. I was super corporate. And those who I worked with were coming to me with the same kind of questions, but in a corporate space. Um, per se. So before I know it, I I mean, just, I mean, I really only realized it a few years ago, but like, I really literally have been coaching people my entire life. Wow. Wow. So your transition from working in the, in, in, in the hotel space, you retired from there and then you started the coaching firm full time or did you go right to ESPN? Okay. So I, I did it all at the same time. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. I did it all at the same time. No, I was still, um, working in corporate and at right now to this day, I still do work in corporate. <laughs> so right now I still make Marriott money right now as we speak. Um, you know, oh, securing, okay. yeah, securing, um, large accounts with, you know, corporate accounts and, and everything here in the Detroit area and, um, four hotels here in the Detroit area, the largest hotel in the re in that region in the Detroit area. But, I turned the coaching, the long hours on the phone, all of the advice. I did make it a little more formal per se into a business, you know, um, doing it with sessions. So to where I was now kind of mentally coaching a lot of the athletes and on the corporate side, a lot of people I knew were, were really trying to strive, had interviews, this and that. They would call me for advice. So I started making that into. Um, something more formal as well. Like, Hey, let's schedule a time to talk as opposed to you just call it. And, you know, I have a family. I have a wife. I was had became married after finishing playing, started having children. My boys were growing up. So it's like, Hey, I, I can't take these calls at this time on the whim. Schedule it. Started scheduling things. And now, man, um, so it moved to on the corporate side, coaching a lot of CEOs and a lot of executives, um, people who are striving on the corporate side to, um, to interview and, you know, how to present themselves, how to be a pro, basically. Wow. So I know some of these questions are deviating from the list that I sent you, just just FYI. Absolutely. That's good. How in the world do you do Marriott and be an ESPN analyst? Like, when I think about ESPN analysts, uh, because I had a couple of friends that, that do it out on the East Coast, 
it seems more full time, you know, especially during during the sports times than than it would be, you know, be able to do it part time and still work a full time corporate job. We're talking, you know, seven to four, eight to five, nine to six hours. So so how do you how did how do you do both? Well, most games are at night. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, when's the last time you watched a game at 1 p.m.? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, and it wasn't a Saturday, right? Yeah, exactly. So most games are in the evening. So, um, you know, I make sure I do everything that's, um, that I've been paid to do that I've been, uh, expected to do during the day. And in the evening, I get to kind of go in my phone booth and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get to go in my phone booth and, and put on my, uh, my, my basketball jersey per se. And, uh, and inform listeners and what and viewers who are watching the games. Uh, um, I currently do Eastern Michigan men's and women's a lot of their games. I also do the NBA G League for the Motor City Crews, uh, for the prep and their broadcast. So it's really a situation where, um, we're kind of outside of those corporate times, man. I, it's just a thrill to go and provide viewers with insight to what's going on in the game. That's what's up, man. I knew you were super dynamic. So glad you brought on the show. So let's talk more about your coaching program. So my listeners know that I'm a coach. We're both with Extreme Execution. You know, my my background is um, my coaching program is voice, power, and mindset. Uh, you know, unlock your voice to unleash your power to create your mindset, right? And so me and you are on that same wavelength when it comes to, you know, developing the mindset, you know, because th- there's nothing that you can't achieve with the right mindset. Even if you don't have enough money, you can achieve it. Even if you have too much money, you can achieve it if the right mindset is there. So tell my listeners a bit about your coaching program, with your leadership and mindset coaching, and 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 expand upon how the um the new revised, you know, uh, a flight assessment, uh, you know, uh, copyrighted by Eric Thomas. I don't want to get in trouble for uh, you know stealing the name and that like that, right? So, uh, and, and to tell how you incorporate that into your coaching and your announcing, because I find it incredible, you know, and, and I know some of the EE coaches are listening now. I think it's incredible when I just hear you talk about the disc, I'm sorry, the flight assessment, you know, in those. So <clears throat> tell us about your coaching program and uh, how you incorporate uh, the, the, the flight assessment into your coaching and leadership. Well, I've been in extreme execution since. 2020, I think it was. And I would, the summer of 2020, the summer of COVID, if I'm, if I'm correct. And so, as mentioned, I was already providing my personal perspective to, um, so many within the sports industry, uh, that I was coaching or within the corporate industry. And what extreme execution helped things do was, um, move it away from my theory. Because obviously some things I was saying was true. People were advancing. People were getting jobs they never had before. Uh, athletes were going to the NBA. I mean, I have several athletes who've been coming to my camps when they were 15 or now in the NBA and, um, you know, have, or have great college careers or some who went to college, played, are now like corporate execs, like killing it, killing it in the world. Wow. And so, um, so what the extreme execution did was it put a lot of um empirical evidence behind what I was saying. It you know, here here it is, I'm telling someone, 
hey, if you read the room, what you're doing versus what they're asking you to do, you, you don't see that disconnect? You know, how about mm-hmm. this? Or how about you think deeper into that? And boom, you add the assessment to that. It's like, oh, they now see why they're doing what they're mm-hmm. doing. They now see why or how or, you know, how it looked. The person who's asking them to do something or who they feel is putting a roadblock in front of them, they now see that person's perspective of why they're asking them to do it like that. And I mean, it just made a lot of dots mix. It was it was the perfect um perfect addition to what I was already doing. And and I and um you know I, we all know it helps us personally, you know, with our yeah. own lives and families. But I mean it was just a perfect addition of uh empirical evidence to my theory that I have been doing for years. That's good. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Cause sometimes you know even us as coaches even we coach knowingly or unknowingly having additional tools to balance that out and help and kind of solidify, man, it's, it's, it's been powerful. I know it's been like that for me. You know, I, I think I joined E in 2021 and uh, no, I'm coming up on three years. We probably joined around the same time. And that so. kind of did the same thing for me. Cause I did, you know, I do coaching in the restaurant space and consulting. And so it did the same thing for me. Cause I started using the assessment for, potential clients as opposed to people I was already coaching or people that I wanted to coach because I knew that assessment was going to tell me, am I going to be able to communicate with this person with my personality, with my delivery, with the way that I am? And it's helped me eliminate clients in the beginning to tell them, say, hey, you know what? I'm probably not the best fit, you know, for you, but I do have someone you know, that would be able to please you. And he's like, no, but I want you. And it made it so much easier to say, you know what? I don't want you without saying, I don't want you. <laughs> right? right. I said, because me and you are not going to get along. Cause I already know based on your personality and my personality, we're going to clash and click. I, I may not be that voice of reason for you. So you are so true with that solidifying what you're already doing and just making the, the tool, just make it easier. You know, it's like it's like having a, a fully inflated basketball versus a flat one. It just makes it a little easier. Absolutely. You you are 100 percent correct. And I mean, you've seen it uh, and no fault to anyone. Even I fell in that trap. You get the tool and you um you now want to lead with the tool. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's so cool. But uh when things settle down and you get back to it, you understand that um it's your knowledge of whatever subject matter that you're on. And the tool is a great assist to um, mm-hmm. kind of put that on, put that on paper or lay out why some things are within your subject matter. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Yeah, so shout out to cool. the shout out to Extreme Execution for even creating it. Et, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the shout out to the peoples. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And I know we got some of the coaches listening because I see them in the chat talking to uh, uh, you know. You know, Terrell and his West Coast doing his his atomic bomb, you know. And I put it in there, I said, Coach Reggie on there, boom, you know, it's a great thing. So All right. uh, how did you get how how did you get to uh ESPN? Like like did they come to you? Did you, you know, apply or did they come and ask you, Hey Reg, you know what? I want you to to to, to commentate for us. Yeah, um a mix between relationships and just sharing my expertise. So 
Um, I constantly put out information and uh, perspective about the sport of basketball on my social media. Um, I mean, besides just loving it, I constantly love providing perspective. Um, you know, I might put a video of a kid who came to my camp who's now a perspective of how he was doing it in high school. Now he's in college or the pros and kind of show back-to-back videos or this or that or pull up some videos of an NBA game and say, hey, um, technique says maybe it should be done like this. Just, I mean, just kind of a, a, a place to kick it in and talk technique uh, perspective on sports and you combine that with some relationships I had where a few people were like, Hey, um, you think you could do that on TV? <laughs> you know, you think you could do that kind of not so, um, loosey goosey, but just freely sitting behind a desk and watching the game and providing a person watching the game that insight. And I say, yeah, I think I could. And so, um, uh, my first opportunity was with Oakland University here in the metro Detroit area. I did their women's games and, um, and it was perfect. I mean, it was perfect for me to, while women's basketball is fantastic, it's a slightly slower pace than men's basketball. So it allowed me to kind of, um, in like, you know, just to be loosey goosey on social media, <laughs> it allowed me to kind of get, get my concepts together within the framework of a possession. And so right. to, to, to just, man, it was so, I, I, I always thank, you know, I, I constantly thank them for that opportunity. And kind of since there, I've been able to do kind of games over the Midwest. And, um, as mentioned, now I do a lot of the NBA G League games. So I'm looking to just continue expanding that. And hopefully one day you'll see me, uh, you know, Big Ten Network, uh, um, CBS Sports or, or, um, or Fox Sports. Let's go. Let's command it. Name it and claim it. There it go is. Go to the big leagues. Let's go. And I'll be like, yeah, I know Coach Reggie. He was on my show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, now, now he's, he's commentating the uh, NBA championships. I want y'all to know I had him first or at least one of the first down there. But <laughs> so I know you've shared a lot of stories about how you've helped, you know, different, different young men aspiring stuff like that. Can, can you tell us about, um, you know, a time or a story where your, your, your coaching has really affected the community, like, you know, a specific story where you saw maybe a, you know, um, I don't know, a kid that grew up in a foster care home and became, you know, great or a kid that was from a, you know, one parent family or, you know, just got out of juvenile jail. I mean, there's so many different stories uh, that they could be out there, but you can tell one story of how, you know, someone that you, that you coach, mentored, leadership, mindset um, from the community that went on to do great things. I mean, I, the stories are boundless. If, if you think about how I kind of started in this, um, I told you I work with big men, you know, mm-hmm. and, and let's be real about what a big man is. It's a large human being, mm-hmm. right? It's a large human being. Well, you have to understand that all large human beings, while you think it's easy for them to play sports, those who um didn't do it young, their bodies might not be equipped to handle that sport, even though they're big and tall. You know, if they haven't conditioned their body, I mean you're talking about a um, you know, an escalade with bad tires. 
<laughs> right? That's a great analogy. Okay. If that if that makes sense, you, you know. So now think about back when you were in high school. Think about a big human being who didn't play. Yep. One of my what best is, friends is like that. Yep. My friend what, Devin. Every day of their life at the store, what do what does somebody ask them? <laughs> Man, you're tall. What sport do you play? You play basketball? Yep. Now, couple that in with some kids in the community. Couple that in with a kid in the community who is big, doesn't have the resources to get trained. Because the world is different now. It's no parks. These kids aren't playing at the park. You got to have some resources to play sports, not to be mm-hmm. good at sports. It's it's different. It's, you know, a kid just can't go to the park and get himself good by joining the local pickup game at the park. No, you got to have some training. You got to have transportation to wherever the gym is at. You got to have some resources. So imagine a kid in the neighborhood who does not have resources and he's big. He's just walking around school and everybody's asking him, does he want to play? But also a lot of these big kids don't have confidence, so they don't want to play because they're not good. Right, right. So it drives them further away from the game. So now, you know how it is on the big man. Everybody's testing them. Mm -hmm. So now they walking around school whooping tail. You know, now they in trouble. Now they don't even go to school anymore. Right. I mean, you see the whole circle? And so now, and and, and remember, they're constantly big, so they constantly, you know, are always um, talking with their hands. With their, you, you, you know what I mean? It's just, I mean, yep, it's just, a, yep. it's just a cycle. Or if they're not cut like that, they become even more timid because they don't fight. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it's a whole cycle. So I, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you one, but I, there have been so many. I mean, I'm kind of known here in the Detroit or Midwest area where somebody's like, Hey, I, I can show you a text today I, where somebody's like, Hey, I got a big guy. He, I do a lot of big shoe drives for size 15 through 20. And, you know, my messages are full of, hey, I got a big guy. He's six feet, eight, 15 years old, never played before. I want to bring him over to you. Like, I'm just trying to get him to play and be on the team. It's somebody at the school, a counselor or something. Like, I just want to get this boy on the team because he won't come to school. Like, I need a reason for him to come to school. And so if I can help him at least be good enough to just be on the team. Basketball is different now. Steph Curry, Steph Curry, and I changed it. He's made a lot of, (laughs) a lot of these big guys, um, uh, obsolete. So if I can just make him improve him, get his mindset right to a point where he can be on the team, he'll go to school. He mm. goes to school. He's likely to, you, you see the cycle? Like, I mean, it's now, now that's one less big joker. I mean, cause honestly, who the police going to catch first? <laughs> the biggest one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, we really saved his life in some circumstances. Wow. You know, and I, and I never really thought about that, uh, you know, until now, like I, I'm a big guy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wide versus, versus tall. And I didn't even think about what you just said, you know, in high school, as soon as you said it, I thought about some of the guys that didn't play sports that was in high school. Some of the guys that were really tall, but they were timid. So they weren't fighters and got picked on, even though they were six, three, six, four, you know, 250, 275 pounds. I'm like, how do you get bullied by this little dude? You know, 
because I, I was the bullier's bully, you know. So <laughs> I, I didn't like bullies, and I would yeah. bully the bully. I'm not. I'm not even. I have no shame in it. You know, I've already repented and talked to God about my ways as a kid. But you know, if you shove somebody in the locker, I was the guy who was gonna shove you in the locker. That's just yeah. what it was. And, and and I never thought about it till you put that. That that's a huge impact on the community for a man that's six five, six six, six seven, six eight, and up. And they are maybe not as coordinated, and everybody wants them to participate in the sport, but they don't because they don't feel the confidence. And most people would think a guy that tall would have a bunch of confidence. You know, he deals they with don't. the same thing that the that the short man, you know, they always talk about the short man complex. It's the same thing with the tall man. It's the same insecurities because you feel like, you know, there there's something missing when really your greatness is right there. It's right there inside you. That's that's impactful. I never I never really put it into perspective like that till you said that and I started thinking about the tall guys in school, I'd be like, man, why don't you come play for the football team, man? And they were always tell us, you know, well, the football team is terrible. Now, my football team is terrible when I grew up, right? But if the football team is terrible, I won't play for a bad team. I said, well, you probably could be the person to make it a better team. But they still wouldn't come out and play. And I never really thought that it was a confidence thing, you know, because their answer was always about how bad the team was. It was never, I'm not that good or I don't feel comfortable. That's you know that's dope, right? I'm like you know, they, they, they it, it makes perspective. You see how real it is, and they would have never said they're not confident because they're not allowed to say that. That's right. Even if the team would have been good, they would have said, "Oh well, y'all are too good." Like, yeah, they wouldn't yeah. have said it like that. They would have just said, "No, y'all got it, y'all." That was just an excuse. Trust me, I was that kid who did excuse. I didn't play till I was sixteen myself. Gotcha. I dodged coaches in hallways for years until I could miss the bus one day and got caught. <laughs> and they recruited you and put you down, huh? Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's a true story. Like, literally, I missed the bus after school as a sophomore. And it was cold in Detroit, snowing. So I didn't walk out the front door. I went to the back of the school to walk home. And the coach caught me during tryouts and said, he, I mean, he had approached me 20 times before that. And he said, you going to go outside in that snow or you going to come in the gym and try out? And I looked outside. If I would have, if my mom would have had, a, got me a bigger coat. Like my mom took care of me now. My dad, my mom took, I won the parent lottery. But if I would have wore my big coat, I would have went out that door. But I didn't have my big coat on. And so I went in that gym and the rest was history. You didn't have the down feather. You had the windbreaker with sleeves on. That's Man, what happened. Listen, listen, I'm big. I don't play. I'm trying to be cute. Come on now. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to wear the nice coat or whatever, not the big downfield coat. Thank, thank God I didn't. <laughs> oh, boy, that was the thing in the 90s, boy. You had to look right. It, yeah. wasn't, it, it wasn't about staying warm or what was functional, boy. It was about uh, uh, being, being uh, uh, handsome. You had to look good. Man, come on now. I'm, I'm big. Come on, man. I, I got to, I got to give less reasons, less attention, less, you know, look at that big sloppy. I, I couldn't never had that. Yeah. Right. Right. I feel you. I definitely feel you on that. So we did get a, 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 a question. Let's see. Um, are you familiar with the lab with Devin Williams? Yeah, I, I have, uh, out in, on the West Coast in California, correct? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think, man, he's a, he's a guru in his own right. 
Yes, he is. He is. Somebody had asked that in the uh in the in the little chat room. You know, we got a little text thing going on. And right. so uh actually I think it might have been one of my co hosts. Uh, but um man, we're down to the last twelve minutes. I can talk to you all day, my brother. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about um you're also an author. Yes. So uh, uh tell people and, and my listeners, uh, you know, the title of your book, uh what the book is about, where they can go purchase it. Yeah, absolutely. So my book um is called 2.0 to Pro. 2.0 um, to Pro. And the significance is 2.0 was my grade point average. I was a, a big average, lazy, didn't want to do good enough where the teacher was going to be calling on me, didn't want to uh-huh. do bad enough where my mama was going to whoop me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I just wanted to fit in. Right. That's, that's it. I just want to fit in. So 2.0 is acceptable. It's, it's average. It's, it was just, you know, it was, and, um, so it's called 2.0 to pro, but also that was how many points I averaged at college. If you Google me and put in Reggie Butler Xavier and see my points per game over the course of four years, I averaged only 2.0 points. So, but I still was a pro. And so, um, it's, you know, 2.0 has a lot of significance in my life from my grade point average to, you know, now I'm, high in the corporate world and you know my points per game but i also made it to the top of the mountain in that side so um you know it's it, that's really my coaching kind of can, how we can go from average to a pro in your lane yo that's dope consider it bought i'm buying one today can you buy it on amazon or just go to your yep. website uh you can go to my website full court vision all one word full court vision.com uh, there is it is on amazon as well you know how that Amazon is, but <laughs> yeah, 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 we know how Amazon is. But you also know, you know, most people will go there, so it's like you may not yep. want to give up that extra little percentage to Amazon. <laughs> but at the same time, yep. you know, Amazon sells everybody. Absolutely, and I wanted in people's hands, man. I'm not tripping. That's just a joke. So yeah, it's absolutely on Amazon. Cool. So if people wanted to, if 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 there's someone out there you know, has a son or a daughter, you know, that's, that's tall. Cause I'm sure that the ladies that are six foot and more probably deal with it, you know, just as much, if not more than the men do. Cause most of the time, you know, a six, two, six, three woman is like an anomaly. And if she's not playing a sport, it's like, why not? You know, it's probably even worse than, than the guys. Right. So if, if, if someone wanted to enroll their child or themselves for that matter, uh, into your coaching program, um, how would how would they get started with you? Absolutely. They can just go to my website, um, as mentioned, www.fullcourtvision.com. They can kind of click on um, near the top something that says athletes and and they can um, find some information about my coaching program. Or if they, you know, want a sample of me, I have um, I have seminars they can order that I've done. I do bi-monthly mindset seminars online or whatnot where I have uh, several athletes. I mean, as I coach so many and speak to so many athletes, um, I take all their problems and I just lay it out two hours straight, just go ham on all their problems, showing them step-by-step specifically how they can become unstuck as athletes in their particular sport. So, um, you know, they can, they can kind of do that to familiar familiarize themselves with me or they can just enroll in the program. 
Very nice. Very, very, very nice. So as you being a coach, what advice would you give to someone who wanted to get into life coaching, leadership coaching, mindset coaching? What advice would you give that person? Take your notes. And when I say take your notes, what have you been through? Did you get through it or did you take notes through it? Because, you know, during um, I can relate and have lived every single experience I talk about. I I mean, you know, I have a unique perspective. I mean, it's it's a it's a blessing. I wouldn't have thought of it as a blessing at the time, but there were very few athletes who, you know, put their name on an NBA contract who also were 16-year-old, six-foot-six JV players, scared to try out. So I've been at the bottom of the bottom, you know, going to the – I mean, we're not talking NBA All-Star top, but, you know, the, the top percent right. of players in the world. So I know everything in between because I took notes. From the corporate world, I never had a job since I was 16, walked off the court into a director position. I didn't know anything. So I was at the, even though I had a prestigious title, I was at the bottom of the bottom, had to learn everything from day one, you know, on to, I'm, I can humbly say I'm in demand in that industry. So um, through all of that, through all the ups and downs, I took notes. So now um, I'm someone who can relay to someone at any point of that journey, how to either maybe get through it. And now you add in the assessment. I mean, I can I can go into more detail about what may be causing your troubles. From 2.0 to pro, it, it just makes sense. It just in everything in between, taking notes. Very nice, very nice. So, um, tell everybody where they can find you on uh, social media. We got the fullcourtvision dot com, but we're going to find you on you know Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever social media handles you're on. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, Instagram, they can find me as on Full Court Vision LLC. Uh, I actually had, I actually own the full, just Full Court Vision alone, but I'm locked out of there. I've been locked out for five years, so I made another one. So I Full Court Vision LLC on Instagram or on Twitter, which I'm very active on Twitter uh, daily. Just Full Court Vision, F U L L C O U R T V I S I O N. Um, I'm not too, I'm not too business activated on Facebook. I need to change that, but, uh, I got to keep something private for the fam and things like hey, that. Hey, man, it's okay. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I learned from, uh, I learned from Nikki, actually. Nikki's, um, you know, IG platform, not IG platform, but, her, you know, her platforms. She talks about, you know, finding one and getting credible at that and it'll spread everywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, and I took that philosophy because, you know, you look, you look at my personal, you know, Instagram and Facebook, like my Facebook probably has, uh, you know, 3000 plus Instagram is about a thousand plus. But if you, if you look at those, you know, I don't post too much too regularly, but then I've got, you know, 10,000 plus on LinkedIn because that's where I started. You know, that was, that was, that was my focus and it branched out to everything else, you know? So it's okay if you're not on Facebook. Fine. If you're popular on Twitter, you know, as long as Elon Musk don't run it into the ground, uh, because he's got right. so much money to do whatever he wants to with it, right? Uh, you know, stick with Twitter. I mean, 
Twitter is just as popular as TikTok, IG. It just depends on the lane that you're in. You know? Absolutely. And for basketball, Twitter is a huge lane. And yes. um, so it's yeah, so because because you can just share information. Um mm-hmm. it, you know, to me, Facebook and basketball don't mix so much mm-hmm. because it, it just takes so much a post is so much more on Facebook than it is on in it than it is on Twitter, per se. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so you know that my LinkedIn, for example, you would know I play sports. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's, it's strictly for my for my hotel uh clients and and customers and businesses. So um, I keep them all compart all compartmentalized. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, my friend. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do for your lane. So, man, we are actually at the end of the show. I think I need another hour with you. I'm going to have to bring you back here in about four or five months, man. It's getting an update. Absolutely. But um, you have any final words for the listeners out there? Anybody that could be, you know, uh, struggling with their, you know, their leadership, with their mindset, um, and, and, and wanting to become better, become greater than who they are. Do you have any final words for those listeners, for my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, is Get more out of your experiences. Every day we come across trials, tribulations, um, celebrations, and then we just immediately move on to the next day. When we can get a little more, take more notes about what went well, what didn't, we can turn that into something. Um, you know, I, I don't believe in wasted time per se. So everything I go through, what what can I do with that? Oh, shoot, I'm already going through it. <laughs> so, like, but right. so many people have a goal just to get past it. Oh, let me just get past it. When this is over, I can't wait to, like, no, nah, you're rushing through it. Like, why are you in that situation? Why are you, whatever. If it, you know, it might be a good situation. For example, I work with a lot of college teams um, mm-hmm. on their mindset. One team is 13 and one. Like, they're at the top of the mountain. Coach is like, everything's good. Like, but it's, I understand she's won championships before and she's like, but I understand it's hard to coach when everything's good. So let's take some notes. What you, you know, what needs improvement still? So there we go. Excellent. 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 Well, Reggie, I just want to thank you totally for coming on here from the extreme execution count. Coach Reggie, Reggie Butler. Uh, excited to have you, man. Great show. Thank you so much for being open and candid, sharing your stories, profile, and background. And everybody, you can find him at bullcourtvision.com and all the social media handles there. So to my peoples, thank you for enjoying the show. You know, health and wealth is the future of my people. And who are my people? You listening to the sound of my voice right now. Tune in every Monday, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time to discuss many topics centered around health and wealth. Uh, being the future of my people and listening to this podcast. We have some exciting things happening at ITRN and you should be a part of it. So consider sponsoring this show and the network and continue our goal of being a premier black broadcasting and internet radio station for us by us. I thank you so much. This has been Menu Monday with Chef Dre Blast. We'll see you again next Monday. If you need to contact me, hit me up at Game Coaching on uh, Instagram or hit me up on my uh, email Andre at, at Heavenly Catering DFW I appreciate you I love you be well to each other and remember health and wealth 
It's the future of my people. I holla. Thank you, Andre. And as usual, thank you to your guest, Reggie Butler. It's been a great show. Thank you for joining us right here on ITRNRadio.com. Have a good evening. We will see you this afternoon with Mindful Mondays with Dr. Corliss Bennett and also in your own words with Dr. Godwin Orkay. Have a good afternoon. We will talk with you soon. Be careful. Stay dry.